You know it's how hard I to use in a in a sentence. It doesn't flow out smoothly. Sure it does. Jujitsu. Welcome to the Four Corners Crimecast. My name is Jake. My name is Rory. And I'm your host Katie. And today we are talking about Jacob Henry Millison. And where'd you do your research on this one, Katie? So I watched Dateline season twenty nine episode one, a short by Oxygen on YouTube, Anna Elizabeth on YouTube, and then also some articles from the Denver Post. Oh, so where are we going for this one? This one is in Gunnison, Colorado. Oh, pretty close to Denver then? Relatively. And uh, is this a recommended episode? Yes, this was recommended by Brandon C. Thanks, Brandon C., for the recommendation. C. Brandon C., you later. Nothing? No. Is that something? No. no. <laughs> you guys might not know this, but Jacob's technically my name. I, I have a feeling they all knew that. I'm just throwing it out there for the... What does that have to do with Brandon C.? Oh, uh, well, this kid's name is Jacob. All right, Kitty, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? Jacob Henry Millison and his sister Stephanie were born to Ray and Deborah Millison. When they were six and seven, their parents were divorced. Ray moved to New Mexico while Deborah took the children and moved to Colorado. Not long after, Deborah married Rudy Rudabaugh, who owned and managed a 700-acre farm in Gunnison, Colorado. What kind of farm did he have? I'm guessing it's at Colorado Pot Farm or Rudabaugh's. What kind of farm did he really have? It was just like a general farm. I don't think they did anything specific. They had some cows. They had 700 acres of land. What's a rutabaga? A rutabaga. Yeah, I know, but what is it? It's a play on words. I. It's a joke. It's a pun. I know. What is it in real life? Rutabaga. Is that like a shrubbery? It's like a plant. So it's a shrubbery. I don't think Rory knows what that is. He knows the words. Not sure what it is. It's though. a red plant. No, that's it's, rhubarb. Am I thinking of yes? Rhubarb? You're thinking of rhubarb. Rudabaugh also owned a successful hunting guide business, meaning he was worth a decent chunk of change. The family was accused of being a bit odd by people in Gunnison, who claimed that they would collect roadkill and feed it to the lion that Rudy kept on the ranch. I don't see anything wrong with that. What was the lion's name? Nobody said. Was it a real lion or a mountain lion? Did they have a lion? I think it was a lion. I don't know. I didn't see pictures. I mm. can't for sure confirm it. What would you name your lion, Rory? Saffron. It's a good one. They're supposed to be the color of saffron. Mm-hmm. What would you name your uh, lion, Katie? Glorcus. Glorcus. <laughs> Is it a male lion or a female lion? Male. Oh, she gets a male? I had a, I got stuck with a female? <laughs> you never specified. You just oh. called it saffron. <laughs> Chrysanthemum? I don't know. Chrysanthemum. That is, that'll be the only lion ever named Chrysanthemum. Chloricus. Simba. That's too... Obvious? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at least I didn't pop a blood vessel thinking of it. Although not totally unusual, Rudy was 20 years older than Deborah when they married, causing some to accuse her of only marrying him for financial gain. Was he like Howard J. Marshall rich? I don't know who that is. That's the guy that Anna Nicole Smith married. He's like an oil tycoon. How is anyone supposed to know that obscure-ass Howard J. Marshall bullshit? Because <laughs> Howard J. Marshall sounds like a fucking uh, hotel. I don't know. I just always thought that name was funny. You should have said someone rich. I mean, it is a funny name. Howie J. Yeah, but this guy, they were worried that he, she was marrying him for financial gain. Anna Nicole Smith did it, you know? Oh, Okay. Do you not even know anything about Anna Nicole Smith? No. When he died in 2009, he left his money to his four children from a previous marriage, but left the ranch to Deborah. He also purchased Stephanie a $140,000 home. How much money did he leave the family? 
I don't know. Hmm. I know the ranch was worth $3 million, so probably a decent amount. And he only got Stephanie a $140,000 house? Well, she was not his child. Oh, that's pretty generous for a not your child. But yeah. Jake was his child? No. Oh. Neither of them were. Jake didn't get a house. Jake got nothing. <laughs> Jake got nothing. Okay. Jake got to work on the farm. Jake had been homeschooled on the ranch until high school. I know homeschooled Jake when I see one. Yes, Rory, I was homeschooled until high school, just like this Jake. Similarities. And you were on a farm. It's not a farm if you don't have chickens. Sorry, it was on a ranch. Deborah made the choice to homeschool him so he would have more time to take care of the ranch, something he continued to do throughout high school and after his graduation. Once Jake reached high school, he began making friends that would remain close to him for the rest of his life and who would later be responsible for solving his murder. I can confidently say that none of my friends from high school would ever be the ones responsible for solving my hypothetical murder. I don't know any of them anymore, I don't think. It'd be an accident if they did. Otherwise, Katie and I will solve it. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I'm just saying. I know I got the best sleuths in the game. Well, this was Gunnison, Colorado. It was a very small town. I mean, they lived on 700 acres, so like you didn't have neighbors or anything. So the people you meet in school are basically your friends forever. BFFs. These friends noticed that Deborah wasn't exactly kind to Jake, often berating him in front of them while Jake stood there and took it. They also noted that his relationship with his sister was strained, especially after she moved away from the ranch in 2003. Stephanie married a man named David Jackson, and Jake was not too pleased about it. Dave was, according to Jake's friends, a carny, running the paintball station at the Gunnison Fair. That's weird. My sister married a carny also. Nice. That's only a joke for Elise. No one else will understand that. After Rudy died in 2009, when Jake was 23, his workload increased, although he did have friends from high school that would come out and lend a hand. Stephanie was rarely seen around the ranch, only popping by occasionally to see her mother. When Jake did have free time, it would be spent with his close group of friends. They described Jake as shy, especially towards women, but incredibly disciplined in everything he did. None of them ever saw him smoke or drink. Jake would always order a Coke at the bar and be the designated driver. I feel like his friends were probably like, let's go to the bar, Jake. We don't want to be at your ranch working. <laughs> I know that I I drag Rory out to my parents' ranch all the time. Would you rather be at the bar? No. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd rather be napping most of the time. In 2012, Stephanie, her husband Dave, and their son moved back onto the ranch. Jake accused him of freeloading, which we can assume was because neither Stephanie nor Dave ever lifted a finger to help him. Tensions began rising as the topic of inheritance came up. Because Rudy had left Stephanie a house, Jake believed that the $3 million ranch would be going to her as well, despite him putting in all the work to maintain it. Is that the $140,000 house? Yes. Was that the case that the $3 million was, the, the ranch was going to be going to her too? Yes. Oh. Well, see, I was just thinking... Maybe he was just like, here, bitch, have this $140,000 house, and then we'll give Jake the ranch. I say bitch in the nicest way I can possibly say it. It was around this time that Jake picked up a new hobby, jujitsu. Jake began spending a lot of time at the gym in Gunnison, and his friend group grew. He was one of the most dedicated students his teacher has ever had, showing up for class every single night without fail. Some believe that Jake began taking martial arts not so much as a hobby, but for self-defense. Apparently, Jake and Dave had an extremely strained and possibly violent relationship. In 2013, Jake filed a restraining order against Dave for an incident that ended with Dave pointing a gun at Jake. 
Dave, Stephanie, and their son moved to an apartment in town not long after. And they were all living together up until that point? I don't know if they were under the same roof because this ranch had, like... Guest houses. RVs that you could stay in or, like, trailers. They weren't, like, super fancy RVs, but... There was a house, RVs, and a cabin. So I don't know for sure if they were all, like, living together, but they were all around each other all the time. Why didn't he just quit the ranch life when he thought he was going to be disinherited? He couldn't abandon his mother. She, mm. There's no way she could have maintained the ranch by herself. Sounds like she should have bailed on the ranch, too. So what good is he going to use his jujitsu against the handgun, though? You gotta have a handgun to fight a handgun. You don't want to bring hands to a handgun fight. Nah, some people can throw hands real fast. I think he assumed it would never reach that point where he would have a gun pointed at him. Oh yeah, he'd rear naked choke him. I think he thought that if they were ever going to get in a fight, it would just be a regular fist fight and not a gun fight. These hands are registered, boy. Like, if you, okay, so if you were going to fight your sister's husband, would you point a pistol at him or would you just fight him? Oh, I'd get a machete, chop like, him up into little pieces. If it ever came down to the point where I wanted to hurt Jacob physically for something, it'd have to be pretty awful. So I'm assuming I would just wait till he was riding his bicycle home from work and run him off the road into the river and went by his house in Portland. Oh, I forgot. I thought you forgot you weren't talking about me. You're talking about your sister's husband. Yeah. There's a lot well, of Jacobs in this episode. Mm-hmm. Or he's got his own way of doing things. Yeah, I mean... Uh, there's a point of, like, physically getting into a fight, and they honestly think that you did it. Plus, Rory doesn't want to fight a tree. I mean, the man is huge. <laughs> the man is very tall. He would definitely make a big splash into a river. In mid-May 2015, Jake was preparing for a jiu-jitsu competition in Denver when he landed wrong and twisted his ankle. Unfortunately, the twist was bad enough that Jake had to pull out of the competition and stay behind in Gunnison. On May 15th, Jake met up with a friend to see a movie and go to a local pool hall. They hung out until around midnight, then parted ways. Jake sent a text message to a friend at 2.29 a.m., and that was the last anyone ever heard of him. Did they release the contents of that text message? They did, but it was totally, like, inconsequential. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it wasn't like, oh my god, my mom's gonna kill me. It was like, see you tomorrow, bruh. Basically, he said... Later in the morning, Jake's friend, who had plans with him, sent him a text message to see what they were planning. He never heard back. A few days later, after Jake's friends returned from the jiu-jitsu competition, they noticed that he wasn't at the gym for practice. They assumed that his ankle was still injured and didn't think too much about it. After 10 days of radio silence, one of Jake's friends, who was also a sergeant at a local police department, decided it was time to file a missing persons report. Did he say radio silence, too, when he was calling all his buddies? He was no, like, that was me. Does this seem kind of suspicious, though? I mean, to them it was, but they, so if you take into account, they were in Denver for a few days, and they didn't hear from him, but they assumed that he was hurt. They get back, he's not in the gym, they assume he's probably still hurt. And then after 10 days, they're like, okay, maybe he's not hurt. Something's maybe wrong. he's gone. Yeah. And his friends at this point had already been out to the ranch and talked to Deborah. So this was like basically two separate friend groups. He had his gym friends and then his other high school friends. You know what they all knew? That he was missing. And Deborah did it. Spoiler alert, Deborah's a bitch. Take out that previous part. Leave in the bitch part. 
Police first contacted Deborah, who said that Jake had left with a friend and gone to Reno, Nevada. Police called Jake's father, Ray, who said that Jake has been known in the past to leave unexpectedly and that his quote-unquote trip to Reno was in line with Jake's normal behavior. At this point, police weren't really able to do much more. Jake was a 29-year-old man and perfectly in his right to up and leave whenever he wanted without giving anyone an explanation. Because Deborah knew, at least in a sense, where he was, Jake wasn't really considered to be missing. Jake's friends weren't exactly happy with this answer. They knew that something was wrong and that Jake wouldn't really have just gone to Reno in the middle of the night without telling anyone. Did the cops take into account the fact that he left in the middle of the night? That's not normal behavior. I mean, nobody knows when he left, though. He could have left at 5 a.m., but he's still, he's 29. You could literally up and leave and drive to Reno at 2.30 in the morning and no one would be able to say anything about that. Yeah. Well, this is why you can't be doing those things, okay? I got my good friend Aaron, who goes out into the wilderness without telling anyone on the weekends, vanishes without a trace, and we're just lucky he comes back every time. But this is how you get But you've never called the police about that, even though you don't know where he is. He's only gone for two days. If he was gone for three. Suspicions grew even more when a group went to the ranch to look for Jake and discovered his dog was still there. They knew that if Jake was going to take anything when he left, it was his dog. Poor puppy. There's another similarity between me and this Jake character. Some sources claim that someone living on the ranch witnessed Deborah and Stephanie outside burning a mattress. When they asked what they were doing, they told him that it was covered in bedbugs. Is that just because in this area everybody had bed bugs, so like eradicating them was commonplace? They didn't think anything of it? Like, ah, just another redneck with the bed bugs. In June, police went back to the ranch to talk with Deborah again. This time, she said that Jake had returned not too long ago to pick up supplies. He'd pulled up in a truck in the middle of the night with someone she'd never seen before. They loaded up the truck with camping supplies and left again, telling her they were headed back to Nevada to study martial arts. Deborah was sure to mention that they did not have enough room for the dog and he was left behind once again. Seems convenient. She also showed police Jake's cell phone, which she had in a bag of rice, explaining that it had fallen in an irrigation ditch and that's why he wasn't answering any calls or texts. That doesn't really sound right because back in the day you were able to get your phone from an insurance claim within 24 hours of making your claim. Yeah, but obviously he wanted to travel without a phone so that his mom could try the bag of rice technique for a little bit and save him the $100 deductible. I see. A few more weeks went by and in August, Deborah became worried enough that she also filed a missing persons report. Was she fiending worries? being worried at this point mm-hmm. yeah she knew where he was so she was just like doing it for appearances basically still suspicious jake's friends contacted a local reporter to help them get the story out she called deborah who gave her the same story she'd given police one thing that caught her attention was when she asked deborah when she'd last spoken to jake rather than a concerned parent of a missing child Deborah told the reporter she'd have to look at her calendar to know when the last time she'd heard from Jake was. She estimated it was around May 20th, which also doesn't line up with her story that Jake had shown up in June for supplies. That's her caught in a lie, huh? Yeah, but nobody noticed this. In all the documentaries I watched and everything I read, nobody, like, thought it was weird that she had seen him after when she said she last spoke to him. 
Deborah also told the reporter that Jake had a serious drug problem and that his friends were all keeping it a secret. She claimed that around the time Jake began doing jujitsu, he also began abusing drugs and their relationship deteriorated quickly. Did his friends set the story straight on that? She didn't, the reporter didn't interview the friends, so she published it saying all of this stuff, but they were pissed. You know, in my experience, most of the time when someone starts getting healthy and working out, they also pick up a drug habit. Yeah, that's usually the case in my, my experience. I think that's from Million Dollar Baby. Deborah said that they went from being close to just having one fight after another. According to the Denver Post, Deborah told police that Jake was using cocaine, mushrooms, and steroids, and that he'd strangled her until she lost consciousness multiple times. This was all bullshit, right? Yes. 100%? 100%. He literally never even went to a bar and had a beer. Like, he was not doing cocaine and mushrooms, which is also a weird combination. You don't I don't know. Could <laughs> to be, be abusing? Fun. It could be pretty fun. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever abused psychedelic mushrooms. You'll never fall asleep during that trip. Along with steroids? Like, you're angry and then you want to trip and have, like, the worst angry trip of your life? You've got angry roid coke rage. You know, like, that just tripping. seems... Did he ever do steroids? No. No. Okay. okay. He's doing edge. martial arts. He doesn't need to use steroids. He's not trying to bulk up. Maybe he's trying to get in a little extra lift in his high kick. Deborah also claimed that Jake had threatened to kill her if she didn't remove Stephanie from her will and leave everything to him. Police discovered that a few weeks before Jake's disappearance, Deborah had written a new will that let that left everything to Stephanie and nothing to Jake. She's kind of a sneaky one, huh? Was there any proof that they had even had a good relationship ever to begin with? I mean, yeah, they were close. They lived together. He worked for her. They spent pretty much all of their time together. He never strangled her. So that's like usually means you have a decent relationship at least. I feel like she didn't like him from the start. While police slowly worked the case, Jake's friends continued to push the investigation along. They created a Facebook page asking for any tips and to share information on Jake's disappearance. They also discovered pictures of Dave Jackson, Stephanie's husband, atop of Jake's most prized possession, his 1969 Harley-Davidson. They already thought it was odd that Jake would leave it behind, but they knew for a fact Jake would never have let Dave ride it, let alone give it to him. Because he didn't really like Dave, right? He hated Dave. Dave put a gun in his face. Dave's a douchebag, right? Yeah. So there's no way that he's going to let him on his choppa. Upon closer inspection, they noticed that Dave had even painted the bike, despite Jake always being proud of its vintage paint. Unfortunately, this wasn't enough for police to start pointing fingers. Obviously, none of these cops were, like, gearheads. Can't paint the vintage paint. Can't get rid of it. In 2016, Deborah was diagnosed with breast cancer and lost most of her strength after surgery. Stephanie and Dave moved on to the ranch again, but Dave was unable to keep up with the 700 acres himself. He called one of his friends, Jeremy McDonald, to move on to the ranch and help out. Jeremy described Deborah as controlling and crazy, and Stephanie as having a switch that, once flipped, caused her to, quote, have fire in her eyes. During the time that Jeremy was living at the ranch, Jake was rarely ever mentioned by the family. They seemed wholly unconcerned that Jake was gone. His friends, on the other hand, were still devoting all their time and effort into finding Jake. This eventually paid off when a local prosecutor was handed the case. Real good friends take it all the way to the court system. 
So it was just kind of floating around and then the right prosecutor came along and decided to pursue it? It was still in the hands of the police and I think they finally handed it off just to have a different set of eyes on it. So the police weren't getting anywhere on this situation. So it had to get handed off. The first thing they did was obtain search warrants for phones and begin looking at social media. They discovered that in the early hours of May 16th, when Jake disappeared, Stephanie received a text that read, quote, It's time to play, from someone who police have not named. Six minutes later, the text was deleted, and Stephanie posted to Facebook, quote, Have you ever been woken up with such awesome news that you want to run outside screaming? A few days later, she posted, quote, Big things are happening for the Jackson family. Murderers should really stay off Facebook. Can you imagine even if, even if something awesome happened in your life that was totally non-related, being all like happy-go-lucky on Facebook when you're trying to locate a family member who's gone? And even worse is one of her friends commented and said, oh, Jake's gone? Oh. So, yeah. And just for anyone's future reference, anything you put on social media, you do not have to have a search warrant to obtain it. It is public information. Prosecutors, police, they've got all of it. These hoes today. The prosecutor was prepared to obtain a search warrant in the spring of 2017, but weather prevented them from doing any searches of the ranch. Because the ground was frozen, they were forced to wait until summer. They also pushed the search off slightly to wait for a unique event that occurred yearly in Gunnison, cadaver dog certification. Because of the old mines and caves in Gunnison, it was the perfect area for cadaver dog trainers to bring their dogs to be tested. Police and search and rescue dogs would be brought to search for old grave sites to prove they were prepared for field work. Was there that many lost grave sites that the do- they just brought dogs there to find them every summer? They well, weren't lost grave sites, but they were old graves and they knew where they were and they were in the middle of nowhere so you can let a dog out and have them search for it. And know if they're hitting in the correct spot. Without having to spread out the dead bodies. Without having to bring your own cadaver and bury it, yes. I gotta say, that would definitely be the perk The perk of the job, would be not having to bring your dead body. I mean, they usually just bring, like, strips of stuff, but yeah. Strips of dead bodies? No. You just put a body in a large shredder and it comes out in strips? Yep. Deep fry them like tortilla strips? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Luckily for the prosecutor, and maybe the dog trainers, they had an opportunity to look for an unknown gravesite. Because the ranch was 700 acres, they knew they needed more dogs than they could normally obtain, and this was their chance. Sheer genius. The search warrant for the property was obtained, and it didn't take long for Jake's remains to be located. How many dogs did they actually have on the farm? They never specified anything I watched, but I assume it was probably 10 to 20. Damn. That's a lot of dogs. You could practically start your own dog farm. Mm-hmm. Those are the best dogs, though. Dog farmers? No, just those dogs. Yeah, they're pretty good boys. They Cadaver earn their keep. dogs? Yeah, they earn their keep, you know? And they gotta smell all those delicious dead bodies. Police went first to serve the search warrant and asked Deborah some questions. She was evasive at first, but when she learned about the cadaver dogs about to be released on her property... She coolly told investigators that she'd shot Jake in the head while he slept two years ago. She claimed that she was able to drag his body from the second floor all the way outside, then used a backhoe to bury his body in a manure pile. This story seemed unlikely to investigators, as Deborah was extremely petite. 
It would be almost impossible for her to get a full-grown man down the stairs, outside, and into the shovel of a backhoe. Deborah pointed the investigators to a corral, where a dog confirmed there were remains. Jake's bones, wrapped in garbage bags, were then uncovered. Buried in a manure pile, like she said? Pretty much exactly where she said, yeah. So was there some sort of, like, uh, weird thing about burying him in a manure pile? I don't think so. I think it was probably just not hard dirt. Ah. If she used a backhoe, like she said, I think she wouldn't have mattered where the dirt was. But maybe they didn't want to go too deep or something. Turns out they didn't really need that many cadaver dogs then, right? No. They weren't expecting her to just all of a sudden be like, oh, yep, I shot him. So a bunch of bunch of cadaver dogs are pretty good for a confession i would say <laughs> yeah it's kind of like when the person's running from the cops and they're like we're gonna let the dog loose and they just stop dead in their tracks because mm-hmm. they know that they're just not in the mood to get ripped by the arm by a dog police learned not long later that jeremy mcdonald the man who was living on the ranch to help out dave jackson had seen jake's remains not long before police discovered them He explained that he came around a corner and found Stephanie and Dave standing in the corral, staring at something in the ground. When he glanced at it, he saw a ribcage and what looked like the top portion of a pair of jeans. He said, is that what I think it is? Surprising Stephanie and Dave, who were shocked to see him. Stephanie said she would go ask Deborah about it, and came back not long later saying that it was the bones of a wild animal Jake had shot illegally and buried. Also seems like his style. He was a poacher too. Stephanie and Dave recovered the bones with manure and said nothing more about it to Jeremy. He explained that he did not go to police because he didn't want to drag Stephanie and Dave's son into the mess and because he was threatened. Apparently, Stephanie approached him one evening and said, You know you can't leave now, right? They don't even seem like the type of people to, you know, leave him alive at that point. Why didn't they just get rid of old Jeremy, too, and throw him in the manure pile? He was not in the way of any money coming to them. That's why they killed Jake, was money. They wanted the $3 million ranch and everything else that Deborah had. Which they were getting anyways. Right? More than likely, but it's possible there was some collusion going on and that Jake was written out of the will first before he disappeared to make it look a little less suspicious. Mm-hmm. Despite all the evidence and Jake's body, no one was immediately arrested. The prosecutor explained that even though Deborah had confessed, she wasn't convinced that she wasn't covering for Stephanie. Because of her size, it was highly unlikely that Deborah did this alone, or at all. Stephanie also had much more motive to kill Jake than Deborah. She wanted the ranch all to herself, and needed to ensure Jake wouldn't be around to inherit it. Would Stephanie have been big enough to drag Jake's body all the way down by herself, from wherever he was supposedly killed and bury him? I have a feeling that Stephanie and Deborah might have been able to do it, or more than likely Dave was involved. Fuck Dave. It took the prosecutor seven months to put out arrest warrants for Deborah, Stephanie, and Dave Jackson. Dave pled guilty to tampering with the deceased body and was sentenced to 10 years. In 2019, after forensics proved that it was in fact Deborah's gun used to kill Jake, she pleaded guilty to second-degree murder. She was sentenced to 40 years, and in a statement to the court maintained that she alone committed the crime and cover-up, and that Stephanie was completely innocent. She also claimed that she killed Jake in self-defense, as she felt she was faced with an imminent threat if she did not do something. Stephanie was eventually forced to admit that she did take part in covering up the murder in open court, although she claimed that everything was her mother's idea. 
She pleaded guilty to aiding and abetting and tampering with a deceased body and was sentenced to 24 years. In November 2019, Deborah died in prison as a result of her breast cancer. David Jackson's first parole hearing will be in 2023, and Stephanie's in 2029. So who's taking care of the ranch right now? I don't know. Probably no one. I have a feeling that it either got left to Stephanie and Dave's son, or the bank just took it back. Is that going to do it for this week, Katie? That is it, yeah. All right, guys. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send us a message at fourcornerscrimecast at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R cornerscrimecast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fourcornerscrimecast. Our new discussion group, which is the Four Corners Crimecast discussion group on Facebook, on Instagram at fourcornerscrimecast, and on Twitter at fourcornerscast. And don't forget to give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and check out our website, fourcornerscrimecast.com, where you can get a full episode list. You can go there to send us an idea for an episode that you might want to hear, or you can claim your free Four Corners vinyl sticker by typing in the code BINGOBANGO at checkout, and we will ship it out to you for free. And also, we want to thank you guys for helping us hit 50,000 downloads so thanks guys thanks guys talk to you next week see ya adios motherfuckers i know how to say jujitsu do you know how to say jujitsu let's say jujitsu